Hey, I'm Claire. Great to have you back. Is your brew in hand? Perhaps you're letting your tea bags stew or waiting a few moments before plunging the cafetiere. Well, let me introduce you to today's cup of tea conversation. Robert Howell is from Culturepedia, an arts and cultural organisation which aims to put Lancashire on the map, be that through short films, their digital programme and rural touring. The conversation you'll be hearing is taken from our webinar series, which you can also watch online. Visit thespace.org or check out the show notes to find out more. Anyway, in this episode, Robert talks about how he's learned to measure success during a digital project, his understanding of what digital poverty really means, and how to embrace technology, especially video conferencing. He's been speaking to Rob Lindsay, Head of Programmes at The Space. To kick off, Robert started explaining to Rob what Culturepedia's repertoire involves. We're based in Lancashire. All our engagement happens. Uh, Lancashire's a big place, population of almost one and a half million. So, you know, we're just a, a small brick in that wall. What we focus on is effectively community curated content, um, which is mainly professional performing or visual arts, but curated by the people of Lancashire or our sort of non-geographic community of artists. Um, we work with artists from all over the world. So that would include things like we run the rural touring scheme for Lancashire. So we take professional performing arts to village halls and community spaces in rural areas. That's called Spot on Lancashire. That's been going for, well, that had its 25th birthday in the middle of lockdown. So we weren't able to celebrate it really. So, but the moment's passed now. We'll have to wait for the 30th. <laughs> Um, we also do um, a similar programme in libraries in Lancashire, where we put professional performing arts into libraries. We run a, a literary festival called the Burnley Words Festival. Well, it's going to, going to be called the Burnley Words Festival in Burnley. We're doing other work with other projects like markets in Bakeup, Haslingdon, Blackburn, Darwin, and various activities around the place. That's fantastic. Um, I think it's really notable that in the work that you do, you've got almost two communities. You've got your audience community and you've got your community of artists as well. Mm. And you mentioned a moment ago, you just said, you know, your 25th year anniversary. Can I ask you a bit about that that length of time, about, about how long you've been working with these communities? Because I think sometimes the time it takes to build a community, I think sometimes gets forgotten, it feels like. I, I, absolutely, 100%. I think that we are very much embedded here in Lancashire and have been working with a lot of communities for a long time. But it's amazing how many people still come up and I've never heard of you and what you're doing. I mean, Lancashire is a big place. And what we tend to do is working in those micro communities. So unless you're part of one of those micro communities, chances are you won't have come across us. Um, I think our ethos very much, and this relates to what you took, the question for Jen as well, is that we push at open doors. Whereas, you know, a, a good geographical spread of our work is really important, we don't try and contrive relationships with communities. So a good example of this is the library service who in Lancashire are fantastic and we've been working with for about nine years really closely in terms of putting professional performing arts into libraries. 
we started off by saying which librarians want to play, who wants to, who is keen on being involved in this and engaging in this, rather than someone on high sort of looking at a map and thinking, oh no, strategically we need something there. So it's very much about ownership and it's really important that those people have ownership. But like I say, it's about pushing it open doors and it does take a long time and it takes a lot of conversation and a lot of cake. (laughs) Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I really love that idea of, uh, and again, um, similar to what Jan was saying earlier on, that idea of, of occasionally you may go in and go, oh, you should work with those people. You know, networks already exist. People are already out there. Communities already exist. And it, I think it's very, very important that when we talk about building a community, that often will overlap with existing communities. And we do need to be yeah. respectful of those. We do need to, to listen to those as well, it feels like. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and use those connections and those links sometimes. Yeah. So, um, and, and I think that's, yeah, that's great when you can sort of, step into a sort of ready-made group (laughs) yes yes um i'm aware then that you've got these different overlapping audiences because you will have your audience of art uh, your community of artists you'll have your community of audiences they're they're probably a venn diagram there are probably artists of the audience for other artists work i think when we talk about uh digital communities as well that's probably another circle not everyone will be in that and it will also include some that aren't necessarily seen as part of the other groups as well yeah Yeah. if i ask a little bit about you've talked there about operating over a very wide area can i ask you a little bit about the digital divide in your area and how that impacts upon any kind of digital community work yeah i i think i mean we've we've been learning a lot about that digital divide and and about digital poverty here in Lancashire and and when I say digital poverty I don't necessarily mean financial poverty it is amazing how I mean I'm in I'm in Blackburn you know with a population of over 100,000 so it's a big town but the mobile phone signals in Blackburn are pants because they've just not been invested in and there's an awful lot of rural Lancashire where you know if you're lucky enough to have broadband it's it's surviving on a rather worn out hamster and a rubber band. So there's no way you can access, you know, video content without it buffering every three seconds. That is a real issue here for a lot of Lancashire. I mean, and there is, there is also the other type of digital poverty of people not having the, the money to have the devices or um, not having the devices in enough devices in the home and things like that. And in addition to that, there's a lot of people who've just not got there yet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm, mm, um, yeah. Do you mind if I ask you as well a little bit about um, kind of what you know about audiences? I know that when you and I were chatting the other day, we were talking about community building often comes from, what was, the, you, you had a fantastic quote about rural touring being part that happens yeah it's the it's the art that happens either side of the interval that was it that was it and and that that idea of community building very much being about it's not just about the art that gap isn't just there to give everyone a breather and change the sets around that is part of the experience and and so very 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 much so i mean what we do i mean i can't take credit for that quote it's from francois matarasso if anybody's interested um, <laughs> what we do is we take the artist to the audience 
And I think, I mean, just as a slight aside, I think that one of the reasons we do that is that in somewhere like Lancashire, I mean, Lancashire levelling up is a big, big agenda at the moment. And from the Arts Council point of view, Lancashire almost entirely needs levelling up, apart from the affluent Ribble Valley, which is mainly got sheep. Um, and, and so we take the artists to the people because they're not in the habit of accessing professional arts. But the difference is that the artists are visiting those communities. So they go to a village or they go to a library in a small town and the audience will know each other. I mean, if we were all up to go to a, a big theatre in a big city now, wonderful as that would be, it would almost feel like we were visiting the artist and we probably wouldn't know many other people in the audience. Whereas in the context that we're doing, the audience all know each other. So that social interaction is really important. And it is a, it's an excuse for social interaction. And if they get to see some great art along the way, then that's fabulous. But that benefit of that community and building social capital is vital in what we're doing. I mean, that's a lot more challenging with digital audiences. That's and, exactly and, what I was going to ask. Yeah, your experience of, yeah. you know, if all you have is data. And that's a really, one of the things that we've really learned as well through doing the digital stuff is just how much we value that sort of grey observational data and how to us that's much more important than what the audience agency would have us collecting. So seeing an audience and seeing the smiles on their faces and getting the, hearing those sort of throwaway comments seeing the whites of their eyes, seeing their tears if they've been crying, that doesn't come across in a questionnaire. And it certainly doesn't come across in the same way in comments on social media. And we really miss that with the digital. And I don't, I mean, I have no idea how you could even start to get that. But with social media, you've got these great, sorry, with, with digital work, you've got things like YouTube or Facebook, almost like gatekeepers between us and the audience. You know, and we put it out on their platform and they send it off to the people and then they tell us 342 people watch this for more than 10 seconds or whatever it happens to be. <laughs> and, and that really doesn't tell us very much. I mean, I, I do the same. I, I watch things online and I think, oh, that was great. That was fantastic. But I don't always feedback. Yes, yes. It's yeah. interesting as well, I think, for any of us here who ever took part in any kind of online forums or message boards or things like that as well, you often saw that you might have a a message board that was being followed by 600 people and it was the same sort of 12 to 15 of them that were doing most of the comments you know it was that kind of idea they, those sorts of things do often skew one way or another yes i think it's also worth acknowledging they are again you talk about the kind of the gray data that you get in these conversations yeah. with people being in places and it is important i think to realize that a community is made up of probably you know, 50 or 60 different types of interaction, probably more, probably, you know, hundreds yeah. of thousands of different yeah. types of interaction as well. And it's yeah. difficult to try and kind of measure that. You know, there are limitations on what we do and we have to work within those limitations in order to find what we can, you know. We do. We do. Yeah. We do, absolutely. And so, you know, it's not saying... In some ways, it means that putting the digital stuff, it's still worth doing because we still know lots of people are accessing it and we still know that... Some of those are people who we encounter for other work we're doing, and some are completely new to us, and it might we might get crossover and things like that, and it's still worth doing, but it's much harder to continually develop what we're putting out based on audience reaction because we're not getting that audience reaction in the same sort of way. Yeah. 
And so programming is much harder when you're sort of just sort of throwing it into the dark, really. Yeah. And there are people that will respond to different things. I know a lot of organisations who have said, we've tried doing this one type of activity and it works in some ways, but there are limitations in others or others who have said, we've been using this social platform and we've seen this, you know, our audience are, again, we talked about Venn diagrams before, overlapping circles, overlapping communities. Mm. Our audience are not made up of, our communities are not made up of 100 people who all behave the same way and want to communicate with us and access our art in the same way. You know, those communities are made up of different styles in exactly the same way that, you know, a, a family meeting up at, at Christmas time or a birthday party or something like that. Think about them. Some of them will be communicating on text or on WhatsApp or on Instagram or on the phone or on email or, you know, whatever it might happen to be. Absolutely. It's very complex. I was going to say that sort of leads on to, um, we had a question in advance sent through, which mm. I wondered if I could put to you as well, which was uh, someone had said, it was a little bit about kind of use of digital, use of Zoom as well. Someone had said, you know, is there a way in which you can create engaging and interactive experiences despite the limitations of Zoom or video conferencing software? And, and I think this also probably touches upon that topic of Zoom fatigue that you and I had talked about. There's a couple of thoughts on this. One is... Don't focus on the limitations of Zoom. Focus on the, the potential of it. I talked about us working in libraries. I mean, in terms of putting professional performing arts into libraries, we could say, oh, gosh, there's an awful lot of challenges here. Look, there's not going to be blackout. It's not necessarily open in the evening. And you can start looking at it so that, you know, the space isn't very good and the books get in the way. But then you can... Then, but if you look at it from the other side and think... Well, actually, yeah, okay, it's not a theatre. It's not got velvet seats and a bar. That's fine. What are the other things that are great about it? Well, a, a, you know, a library is the most democratic space you can imagine. It's got a transient community coming through all day, a little like that, you know, that sort of ongoing relationship you've got. So looking at the positives as opposed to the negatives. And I think that, I think Zoom offers so many there's things that Zoom allows to do that um, we cannot do in person. For example, you can sit there quietly and listen and not be seen by everyone. You can contribute on the chat. You can actually so taking those advantages of the digital. I think it's quite fashionable to say, oh, I'm fed up of Zoom and isn't it awful? But I think we've learned how to use it. And we've had accelerated learning by the pandemic. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's true. If, if any of us had three years ago tried to introduce our audiences or our communities to video conferencing like this a lot of people just wouldn't have gone with it but one thing that has happened with the pandemic is everyone is familiar with these programs they are yeah new terrain Thanks to Robert and Rob for a brilliant conversation. So much to think about. And I'm still enjoying Culturepedia's mission statement to give ideas legs. Brilliant. There's a link to read and perhaps even watch the uh, spot on short film series Robert mentioned. That's in the show notes. And don't forget to visit our website, thespace.org, where there's webinars, resources, toolkits, and possibly even the chance to get commissioned all ready whenever you need. Leaders. We hope you've enjoyed your cup of tea whilst listening and come back for more during your next screen break. Until then, keep trailblazing. Mm-hmm.